Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions, transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind pass, passes over it, and it is gone, and, it, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's go ahead and pray and get prepared for today's message. Heavenly Father, you are so gracious to us. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And when Israel sinned against you blatantly, so clearly, searching after other gods, Moses was angry, breaking the tablets. He was just going crazy, mad at them for seeking after other gods. And you come to him. When he comes back to you, you say, tell them that the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, this covenant-keeping God, you, God, are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Wow. I just ask, Heavenly Father, that um, today, no matter where we're at, you would help us to experience that, to know that, and it would go deep down into the fibers of our soul that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love that you've had mercy on your people. You've shown compassion towards us through your Son. And we know that to have that effectual ability to really experience your grace and your kindness, we need your Spirit. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us, that you would um, control us this morning, that you would speak through me and help us all to be beneficiaries of this gospel, of this historical truth that you are redeeming a people for you, for you. 
and that we would be transformed this morning through the only history I know that actually changes lives, through the gospel. So please be with us, Holy Spirit. Please do what only you can do and illuminate the scriptures. Give us eyes to see you. Give us ears to hear you. And help our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, to see you and experience the calling that you have for us. Please be with us. And we know we have access to you, Father and Holy Spirit, because of you, Lord Jesus. Giving of yourselves fully, getting up from the garden, and giving of yourself on the cross. Please be with us. We ask these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So have you ever gotten some news that just captivated you or just took over your whole day in a good or a bad way? Like for me, I love kids and we just had our fourth kid. And man, when I find out that, you know, we're having another kid, it just takes over my mind. Like I'll be at the grocery store. People are like, hi, I'm like, I'm having another kid. And they're like, okay, creep. Like, and I'm just like, man, overwhelmed with it. Just want to tell everybody. And Lydia's like, wait a couple weeks. That's, and man, I just want to call my brother. I want to call my friends. I want to tell you guys. I'm like doing call to worship. I'm like, we're going to have another kid. You know, it's just captivating me, taking me over. It's filling my mind constantly. Or even, you know, in 2020, we lost a kid. And then even like when death happens in a, in a family, it captivates you. It, it takes you over. And all you can think about, man, when somebody asks you, how's you doing? You just want to like, just pour everything out on them. I'm not doing good. And it's just captivating your mind, taking control over your mind. It fills every crevice of every silent moment. And this morning, the psalm that we're going through, that's what David wants for us, is that we would be so captivated, so overwhelmed by the truths that are in here, that our whole beings would bless God and praise God. That every silent moment we have, undistracted from the world, undistracted from one another, that it would just, we would burst out in praise to God. And even as I was preparing for this and just thinking through it this morning, especially this morning, as I was really coming encounter with all of you and knowing the struggles that we go through each and every day, every week, it's scary to come up here and be like, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, and like, oh, let's, and it's kind of this, this thing is almost I'm asking you to forget your pain, forget your sorrows. Man, we've been going through, some of us go through tough times. Some of you, it might be hard for you to hear, bless the Lord, let your soul bless the Lord because of the circumstance that you're in. And maybe that circumstance is captivating your mind constantly and it's overwhelming you. And every silent moment, it's making you think about it. So today, we are going to pursue that, that no matter where you're at, through the benefits that we have in God, that hopefully, that even though that's a mountain to you, whatever you're going through, that God would eclipse that. And that the circumstance that we totally find ourselves in as children of God would eclipse anything else that we're going through and we would be able to bless the Lord with each other. Amen? And so that it would totally control us. 
And I know there's tough times, and I know there's hard things, and I can't imagine what some of you are going through. And so please don't hear me to go, like I'm ignorant to that, or I'm being rude or insensitive, because God's not. But I just hope that today would just be hopefully a refreshment to you, even a break from maybe some of the suffering that you're going through as we just hear about the blessing that we have in Jesus and God the Father. So let me pray one more time, just a short prayer. Heavenly Father, please be gracious to us. Please illuminate the scriptures. We ask you these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Years ago, I remember um, listening to a, a lecture that Tim Keller did on preaching. And he, was, he gave this analogy that preaching to people is like those old vending machines that you put a quarter in and, you know, sometimes the, the quarter doesn't go all the way down. And so you have to bang it on the side to get it to go down. And he was like, preaching's that way a lot of times is we are just up here reading scripture, telling what's there, but we need to come up and bang people on the head to hopefully get that quarter, that truth, to go down into the heart and actually affect them. Do you guys ever feel that way? Like, man, whoever comes up here and preaches and opens up the Word of God is saying amazing things, things that should make us jump for joy, be amazed and overwhelmed by truths in the Scripture. You know, God, Creator God, has literally thought about you. Think about that. Like, imagine if even the president gave you a call. We'd be amazed. Whether we like him or not, we would feel special. And now think about the creator of the whole universe thinking of you and actually loving you and caring for you. Yet we sit and we just, it just goes over our heads as like common facts. But this should overwhelm us. And so my goal today and David's goal is to hopefully put so much truth packed into these scriptures, this psalm, that it would just bang you on the head, hit you over and over again, that that quarter, that truth, those blessings would fall down, trickle down into your heart and consume all of your soul and that you would just burst out, even when you're at the store, how are you doing? And you'd burst out in blessing to God. All right, so that's my goal. So if I hit you in the head, sorry. That's <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. All right, so let's see. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 2 of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And so what David's trying to do here, he's urging us to do something. And the bless the Lord, he says it six times in this psalm. And to bless the Lord is... To, to bless somebody is to speak well of them. And so to bless the Lord is to praise Him and to extol Him. And so we would be saying good things about Him and who He is, how great and awesome He is. You know, to bless somebody is to say, have a good day. Or, man, you did great today. You did a good job. Or give them a compliment. To curse them is to say something bad about them. Or to wish something bad about them. And so to bless God is us actually speaking well of him. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. He wants the deepest parts of us to bless the Lord. He doesn't just want our minds and our mouths. He wants our whole being. That's why the most important 
commandment in all of Scripture is that we love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's all of us. All that we have, all of our faculties should bless God and love Him. Amen? And then David urges again and says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Isn't that a weird thing to think about? I, I feel like us as Christians in this area, we, we kind of don't think about God that way, that He has benefits for us. We almost feel like that's a bad thing to come to God for. It's like, oh, I don't want to come to Him because He's good for me. Like we almost look down upon that. But what David's going to do is he's going to give us a catalog of blessings and benefits for following God and being His, his child. So it's really cool. What he's going to do is he's wanting us to bless the Lord with all of our beings. Bless the Lord and forget not all of his benefits. So he's going to give us a huge list of benefits and a catalog that we can look through in a sense of how God benefits us. Isn't that weird? But it's going to be cool because as we look at it, it should hopefully help that quarter, that truth, sink down and actually pour out blessing and honor and praise from us to God. Amen? So that's David's goal. That's my goal. And yeah, I just, I hope that the Holy Spirit, and I know the Holy Spirit's going to be faithful to that. And so there's three things that I'm going to be looking at in this passage. I'm going to look at God's anger, God's mercy, and his love. And so forget not all his benefits, David's going to be looking at God's anger, his mercy, and his love. And so what I'm going to start with is kind of looking at God's anger. Look at verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. He's slow to anger. He won't keep his anger, and he doesn't deal with us according to his anger. I mean, a passage like this is hard because I feel like it's amazing by itself. I don't really have to say much, but think about it. Slow to anger. How many of you are thankful that God is slow to anger? What that means is that God actually thinks through situations and acts appropriately. He's not like us when my kid freaks out that I just want to, you know, I feel my blood boil and I want to go act. He's not me that if somebody cuts me off that I just start getting angry. No, he's a God that's slow to anger. Something happens and he thinks through it. And what's so crazy is that he's slow to anger. So because he's slow to anger, the gospel actually happened. Isn't that amazing? He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's the only way the gospel could ever happen is if we were serving a God and under a God that's slow to anger. He saw the sin that we've committed. That does make him angry. But he thought through it, cared for us, and acted. Isn't that good? In his steadfast love. He's slow to anger. And look at verse 9. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And again, this is important. So chide is like a scolding or a rebuke. So he will not always rebuke or um, scold us, and he will not keep his anger forever. It's important to note that this passage is in the Old Testament. 
So Christ did not come yet in the flesh. And so you, you have this Old Testament believer, David, knowing that God will not keep his anger forever. But us on this side, we know that he hasn't, and he let it go in the person of Jesus. He actually satisfied all of his anger and all of his wrath in Jesus. Jesus is our propitiation. He satisfies the wrath of God towards our sin. And so it's, it's important to know when this is written because of a statement like that. Because he doesn't scold us. He doesn't treat us according to his anger. And he will not be angry forever. And towards us, he isn't angry anymore. He's not looking over sins. He's actually dealt with them in the work of Jesus. Make sense? And what's mind-blowing to me is as I was reading this and studying this, I was thinking about it. How many of us think that a psalm like this could be written by a person in the Old Testament? Like how many of us think that God was different in the Old Testament? We think that he was angry in the Old Testament. We think that he was dealing with them according to their sins. But what's so cool is that this actually came from a person out of the Old Testament. And it sounds exactly like our New Testament God. You know why? Because it is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's just that Jesus did not come at this time. And so he did have anger. And in Romans um, chapter 3, it says that he had to overlook. He was patient and had to overlook sins until Jesus came, until our Redeemer came. And so it's really cool. Like it's, Think about that. This psalm was written by an Old Testament believer. All these truths that we sing that are ours in Jesus were actually the Jewish believers' promises as well. It's really cool. He's not a different God. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And he cares for us. And his anger will not last forever. And it's actually been satisfied in the personal work of Jesus. So if there's any of you who are in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, and have sinned, and you're thinking God is angry and you need to let him cool down, that's a lie. You can approach him. And what's crazy is even the first sin, Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, when he did have righteous anger that was not satisfied in the person and work of Jesus, they were able to come to him. God actually approached them. Isn't that beautiful? Like Adam and Eve were hiding because they were so ashamed of their sin, of themselves. And God was the one that came down. Adam, where are you? And he sought him out. And the same thing happens in the work of Jesus. God seeks us out. And so if there's any of you struggling with thinking that God is angry towards you, please ask God for forgiveness for that. But that's a lie. You can approach him in Jesus in faith, in trust in him, and he forgives you, and he accepts you, and he is not angry because Jesus is our propitiation. He satisfies all of God's wrath, all of the Father's wrath on himself. And then look at verse 10. It's kind of the same thing, kind of the same theme. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. I was thinking about this. For those of you who are going through tough times, memorize this verse because there's a lie that's going to come to you that's going to say, oh, this is happening because you did this. Oh, this is happening because you did this. 
and you're, you're thinking it's a just punishment for what you've done and that God is actually punishing you for what you've done. But this verse says he does not treat us according to our iniquity or repay us, what does it say? Nor repay us according to our iniquities. I believe this passage, especially in Jesus. It says our record of debt was nailed to the cross. Everything we've ever done, like a rap sheet, was nailed to the cross on Jesus. So whatever you've done, sex out of marriage, drugs, or lying, cheating, stealing, it was put on the cross. And God the Father punishes our Lord Jesus as if he was us. Every single thing we've ever done. Isn't that crazy? Think about it. And so when we're dealing with God in, in our real time, sometimes we feel like that sin maybe got overlooked or that sin was too much and now he's going to treat us according to our sin or maybe we're in a suffering and a trial and we're thinking God is doing it because of something we've done. No, he might be guiding us to something and he might be using it for something, but he is not punishing you because of your sin. Because he's already punished somebody, and that was his son, Jesus. So he does not repay us according to our iniquities. Amen? And then, why does he do this? So why does he show us grace and kindness? Look at verse 13. So 13 through 16, it says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. So why does God show his grace and his kindness towards us? It's because he knows our frame. It says that he knows us. He knows how we were made. He knows we're basically pathetic. He knows we're wasting away. He knows we need somebody. He knows we're sinners. He knows we have a great need. And what's crazy is every story you ever read that has some like impending doom for somebody and there's a hero that comes out of it, the hero always has something that comes out of it for them. Like they need to act because the world is going to be destroyed that they live in or they need to act because their family is going to be destroyed. But what's cool about the story of redemption in the scriptures is God is creator and he does not need to save us. Amen? You guys get that? Like, you know that? God does not need to save us. God could destroy us and he would be just. He's creator. But yet, he chooses out of mercy and compassion to look down at us, see that we're dust, see that we're clay, his creation, and actually care for us. And please, what I would encourage you all to do is this week, even think of that truth. Man, say those things. He remembers that we are dust. Like, let that sink in. Because I feel like even me, I'm young, but even when I was younger, I was even dumber, and I thought I was not dust. And as as I get older, I get dustier. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, I get, I get that realization that, man, I am dust. I am fading away. I am wasting away. My life is small in comparison. My life is short, yet God 
has compassion and mercy on us. Isn't that cool? Like, think about those things. Let that thing rock you. And so he shows his mercy and compassion. He doesn't have any anger towards us because it's on Jesus. And he shows his mercy and compassion on us because he knows us. He knows how you are made because he created you. He knows your limitations. He knows your sin. So he has compassion and mercy on you. And it's so cool. What other God, even in man-creating gods, kneels down and picks his creation up? Only our God, the true God, the biblical God, Yahweh, kneels down and picks us up. It's really cool. And then I thought it would be cool just to kind of run through. So, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So, again, let's just look through all those benefits. Um, let's just read through them and I'll maybe add some, add some things as we go. So, verse 3. Or starting in verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. And those diseases could be physical, but could be our greatest disease of sin. But also, how many of us have been actually healed by God? There has been a lot of healing. And one day, through Jesus, his death not only redeems us and forgives us, but redeems all of fallen creation, and by his wounds we are healed. And one day we will experience all healing, all diseases being fully healed. And that's something we can look to, to be thankful for and anticipate and praise him for being that powerful that he can wipe away all diseases through his son dying. It's, it's amazing. So who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He's covered you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many of us, when we experience the love of God, have this new energy given by God? Some of us are so tired, even me included, so drained, so tired of life beating us down. Let's be refreshed by God and His truths. Think of these things. Beat yourself over the head with these truths. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in best love. He's crowned us with love and mercy. He satisfies us. Our greatest need is bound up in our Lord Jesus. And He satisfies us. And He can give us new energy, new youth like that of an eagle. And some of us need it. I need it. So I'd encourage you, think of his truths. Think of these truths. Even read this psalm maybe over and over again until it gets down into the deepest part of your heart. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. This one's a hard one for me because, you know, thinking about it, he does. I believe that's true. But then we see oppression. We see hard times in this life. I would encourage you all, if this is a hard passage to hear, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed, I would ask you to pray to God and go, maybe even confess, like, I don't see it all the time. Is this true? Ask Him. Be real with Him. Talk with Him. And be a part of that work of working righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. 
that we can make his kingdom come on this earth as we obey him and bless others. And I just, yeah, just even thinking about the Ukraine stuff, like not getting into it too much, but reading this verse and thinking about this verse, it's just hard sometimes because I don't always see it. But I do know that the gospel is like a rock that's thrown into a pond and there's these ripple effects coming off of it and it's affecting all of the pond. And that this gospel is coming to this world and ripples throughout the world and it's taking over. And not only spiritually, but it will affect us physically and it will destroy the evil in this world and one day fully captivate all of our hearts and we will all with one voice bless the Lord and it would be all of our souls singing and praising him for he's good and it would be because of the work of Jesus affecting all of this world like a good disease that would affect everything and so sometimes it's hard for me to know that I don't see the oppression coming out to righteousness and justice and people are being taken advantage of, and even in the family that I was raised in, not seeing that, but I am confident that God sees us, He knows us, and He is doing something. He's not waiting, He's doing something right now. And one day He will fully handle it, fully put an end to all of it, and it will be just and it will be right. Verse 7, this is really cool. He said, He made known His ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. Like this shows his compassion too, right? He didn't have to show us. He didn't have to come to Moses. He didn't have to come to the people of Israel. Like that's even one way that he's helped the oppressed. Like think about Israel and Egypt, how oppressed they were. They were slaves, yet God, creator, comes to them and chooses them as a people for his own possession. It's amazing. I mean, what people group have gone through that much suffering? Jews have gone through a ton. And God sees that, and he's working righteousness for them and justice for them. He's made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of the, his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's bless the Lord. 
Like this passage was written in the Old Testament, yet it sings of the richness of the gospel. It sings of the richness of God's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Jesus was in the garden, kneeling down, praying, sweating drops of blood, that he would not go to the cross. He says, not my will, but your will be done. If there's any other way, pick it. He wanted any other way in that moment, in his flesh, being tempted in that. Yet he got up choosing to see our interests more important than his own. And he got up and faced the cross. Seriously, think about that. This psalm was written in the Old Testament, but them looking forward to this person that would be able to wipe away all of God's anger, wipe away all of his wrath, wipe away all of our sins so he he didn't have to deal with us according to our sins. And here in Jesus, we see this picture of total forgiveness, total satisfaction. Like, have you ever done something to somebody and said sorry, and they said they forgive you, but you just go, I just don't believe it. I wish I could see their heart. I wish I could know their mind. God gives us that. The Jews, man, how tempted would they have been to go, Is he telling us the truth? I wish I could see his heart. Is he really slow to anger? Is he really going to forgive us? Will his anger cease? And in Jesus, we get to see the deepest part of his heart. Going to the cross to pay for all of our sin, all of our iniquity. And I know this is redundant, but this is what our hope is based on, is the person and work of Jesus, the God-man who came in the flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate and it was God's plan to nail him to the cross. It says in Isaiah 53 that it pleased God to crush him. Why? Because it was satisfying God's wrath for us so that God can have us as a possession. That is amazing and beautiful and great. And no matter where you're at with God in your mind, no matter what sin you've dealt with, if you have faith in Jesus, he's forgiven you, you can approach God, the veil has been torn, you can actually come to him into his presence and without any fear. Isn't that good? Think about that. Let these things trickle down into your heart that you are forgiven by Jesus. He's done everything for you to be forgiven. And what's so cool is he also gives us a promise in here. He says, and his righteousness to children's children. He's given the Jewish people and us as Christians a promise that he will keep our families. And we see that God moves by way of family and household. And it's such a blessing we should praise him. And so, one thing that's cool too about this passage is it gives all these benefits. And one last benefit that he gives, if you look at verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Why should we have confidence in this psalm and in these benefits and these blessings? It's because God's in control. And so like if we went to Chase Bank and we had some debt and some just clerk was like, oh yeah, I'll forgive you of this. Would you believe him? No, but what if 
you know, what's the guy's name, J.P. Morgan or whatever his name is, comes up and goes, hey, I'll forgive you. I'll actually take that debt on myself. Would you believe him? You're more likely to believe him. Well, God, the creator, who's actually ruler of all of this, who decides your fate, says you're forgiven. And so we could trust all of these things because of that verse. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. We serve and are under a gracious king who forgives us and is kind to us and loves us and knows our greatest need and has done everything to get us to him whole and satisfied. Amen? And then at the end, David calls all of creation to bless the Lord. Look at what he says. Verse 20, Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, sun, moon, stars, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, everything that he's created. Bless the Lord in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So let us bless the Lord as we finish with singing and finish with communion. I know I can't do much to really make it effectual and it's up to the Spirit, but even if it didn't happen today, that it's not overwhelming you, I would just encourage you, please go home and think of these things. Read this psalm over and over again and let him satisfy you. Let him refresh your energy. Let him give you strength in Jesus. Amen? And let your whole being just praise him and bless him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you please, Heavenly Father, um, help us to obey you. Give us the strength and the ability and the desire to obey your word, to be amazed at who you are, and in our forgiveness, be able to walk in that forgiveness, doing your will on this earth, that our households, our work area, our desk would be little pockets of the will of God happening. And that as people come encounter with us, that we would actually, they would be blessed by the will of God. That they would see this little rule and dominion start to bless them and change them and encourage them. And just like Joseph being in the house of Potiphar, that you would give us favor where, we, where we're at and where we work and in our school and in our households. That you would give us favor because we are yours and you are ours. We ask, Heavenly Father, please be with us this week. Anybody who's downcast, we help them to remember the promises that are bound up in the gospel, that are ours in the gospel. You've given us so many benefits, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. You could have just made us like angels, but yet you go further to make us like kids. You go to make us like your son, Jesus. You could have just forgave us and let us be somewhere else, but you want to bring us into your presence. You could have just forgiven us and made us be spirits, but you're going to actually give us this world, a redeemed new earth with physical bodies to enjoy again. And you're going to put it right the way that we should have the first time. But Adam has failed. So we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness. 
Please be with us. Please satisfy us. And as we partake of communion, let that be a physical sign of us being refreshed in you. Please help us. Praise things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at covgraceminifee.org. May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.